And welcome back to the Touchdown Rundown here live on Colin or, you know, if you're listening later, Apple and Spotify. We are back doing our first show in a while. You know, college is pretty busy for two juniors, huh, Tony? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's been one heck of a semester so far. And, uh, yeah, we've both kind of been all over the map. Good to just finally be back. Yeah, I mean, you work part-time. I work part-time. And I think I wrote... 60 articles for the observer so i kind of i almost want to give myself another part-time job even if i don't get the paycheck like it's a part-time job so we're busy we're the, the bottom line is we're busy yeah absolutely tom you've been really pumping out these articles i can attest to that he's texting me all the time about what he's constantly writing about so it has been a struggle but christmas break has brought some much needed relief and time to get some more shows in absolutely and what a show this is going to be for you we are going to talk about the Dolphins, if they should be worried after their recent slide, if this, which South Division has the worst potential champion, and then the playoff picture, and of course, a little player awards sneak peek. But, you know, turning to the Dolphins, going into their Week 11 bye, the Dolphins were easily one of the hottest teams in the NFL, boasting a 7-3 record and a 2 of Tungvaloa, who looked poised to win. In fact, I believe Tungvaloa had not lost a game he had finished in to that point. They put together four straight wins and were and exited the bye with a win over the Houston Texans. Since then, the Dolphins have lost on the road to the 49ers, the Chargers, and the Bills by a combined 25 points. Tony, I believe that makes them seven and six. Are the Dolphins the playoff team we thought they were? Excuse me, they uh, would be eight and six. Yeah, um, I think that this team has a lot of the tools that it needs to be successful. The problem with them is obviously, you know, they're super explosive, very difficult to slow down offensively. They have all those fast guys, Hill and Waddle. Tua, I think, has finally shown uh, what we've, I think, both kind of been saying that Tua's really been undervalued. He has the arm strength to be fine with these guys. He's made a lot of great connections with them. And I think that there's a lot to look forward to with them. They have a lot of young, maturing players on defense. That being said, they're just too one-dimensional on offense. They've relied too heavily on this pass attack where they just go for speed, which has made them be top five in passing yards and passing touchdowns, so that's great. But it's also resulted in them being bottom five in both rushing yards and rushing attempts. So I think Hill and Waddle are both those kind of guys that can handle being workhorses together. They can really power this offense forward, but without the threat of a run attack, Teams can really just counter this by sitting players further back than they normally would in the secondary just to compensate for their speed, and it's going to really be able to kind of cap them off of how far they can go a lot more effectively than if they had this run attack to go along with it. And honestly, it doesn't really make sense to me given that they have Raheem Mostert at running back, who, in my opinion, might actually be faster than both Waddle and Hill. Mostert only has 153 attempts this season, which is only one more than James Conner has, yet Conner has almost 100 fewer rushing yards. So when Mostert's getting his looks, I think he's just under five yards per carry. He's doing a lot with them. So I think that if they use him properly, he could add a whole lot of value to this team and really make them go from that one-dimensional kind of, well, we know they're probably going to pass and they're going to do that, but they're not really going to rush. If they could just add that rushing aspect, they can really unlock the field for the entire offense. They're going to be way more explosive and unpredictable. For me, I'm not super worried about the lack of the rushing attack because if you go on to football outsiders and look at their their uh, got a giant spreadsheet of stats. Let me find it. DYAR defense adjusted yards above replacement. Tua ranks third in that metric. Who is he behind? I want you to guess, Tony, because this top three is absolutely hilarious. By the way. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I don't even know what the heck stat you're talking about, so I couldn't even give you a guess. Well, okay, so number one, as he is in most passing statistics, is Patrick Mahomes. Okay. Number two, Jared Goff. Jared Goff. All right, I love, yeah. I love to see that. Uh, and then Tua, Josh Allen, and Geno Smith rounds out the top five. So I think if you're the Dolphins, you're okay with the passing attack. I think the situation is what what we're seeing from the Dolphins in this losing streak is we're seeing teams that, one, are good defensive teams. Like, if you look at the Dolphins' schedule, the 49ers, the Chargers, like, the Chargers may not have the best statistical defense, but I respect the scheming of that defense a hell of a lot more than I do some of the teams in this league. So I, I, I'm i okay with the fact that they lost to some of those teams, but you can't lose to all three, right? Yeah, no, that's fair. 
that's that's what I find I think the most worrying is that they went from having I mean look I mean and throw the Bills in there too I can't believe I kind of forgot the Bills the Bills have one of the best teams overall in the NFL like all three of those are good losses they just come at a poor time yeah and it definitely doesn't bode well for them to kind of be that that team that gets hot right before going to the postseason it seems like no matter who the statistical best team is the team that gets hot right about this time and can go into the postseason with a maybe three to five game win streak that seems to be the team that really comes out of nowhere and, and does a lot better than expected and I really yeah. wish the Dolphins would have been that team and say that's the Lions right now honestly yeah if they make it I do think that they could be a little bit of a formidable force I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl but you know a game or two in there as far than anybody ever expected yeah, no, so for me, the, the running game is not the concern. Like, if you want to be a little bit less balanced than average, that's okay. Like, there are some teams that just they know what they're more efficient at. And I think with Miami, the run game will come in time. But the, the thing that's more concerning is the Dolphins' defense, which ranks 26 according to lineups and is absolutely just atrocious in, in, in uh, passing plays. Absolutely just atrocious. Yeah, that has definitely, definitely been a poor aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, for as much as people have talked about how poor the Chargers' defense is, particularly, I believe, because of a run, the Dolphins are equally as bad in the past. And so I think that's what they need to shore up. And I don't know if that's something that they can shore up this season. Yeah, I think, I guess my problem with the run is, is I do think that no matter kind of how much they're going to really increase that run game, I think they should be a pass-heavy team. That is definitely their bread and butter. But I guess my issue is just the disparity between the two. To go from top five in one to bottom five in the other, I think it's just too far of a reach, and it just makes you too predictable. Yeah, no, I, I think that it's pretty predictable, and that's what we saw from the Chargers. The Chargers are absolutely willing to sit you know, seven, ten yards deep and wait for those middle passing routes to just not be there. They'll take them away from yeah, no, this is definitely – this is a team that I think can make a little bit of a run in the playoffs. I've I, At the beginning of the year, I thought, you know, maybe the Dolphins, this is going to be their year. Maybe they're going to come out of nowhere and be even, even you know, better than we expected them to be. I think you and I were both pretty high on the Dolphins coming into this season, higher than a lot of people. But as the year kind of progressed and the defense started to falter and it became a little predictable and, you know, all these guys have been great. Hill and Waddle have been fantastic. I believe in Tua. I still think he's a pretty – a pretty great quarterback, in my opinion. I just don't think that this is going to be their year. I think they could win a post-game season or two, or a post-season game or two, but uh, I don't know about much beyond that at this point. Yeah, I guess to to give the final stat of the discussion, using Football Outsiders again, their DVOA ratings, where do you think that the Dolphins rate in their rush attack? In terms of rush attack? the well, that's a good question because they don't rush it very often, but when they do, they are pretty effective. Mostert and Jeff Wilson are are both up there, I think, in the uh, yards per carry category. So they're good, but they don't do it a lot. So I'm not sure where I'd rank them. 11th. 11th. Yeah, see, they're good. They just need to do it more. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. I think that the passing game, you know, does set up the run as far as, as, far as that system is concerned. But, yeah, I, they're a team to look out for in the playoffs. You don't want to face that offense, but I think that defense is going to be their downfall should they make it to the postseason. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so moving on to two teams that also, I don't want to exactly say hot starts because I don't think the Buccaneers ever had a hot start, but moving to two division champions, or I should say potential division champions, and the Buccaneers and the Titans both have faltered recently. The Buccaneers recently took a devastating loss to the 49ers and then I believe got 17-0 on the Bengals before giving that game away on Sunday. Now we've got two teams that I believe the Titans are seven and seven. The Bucks are six and eight now, Tony. We've got two Correct. teams that could potentially wind up being division champions with a losing record or worse records than their wild card counterparts. The question is, of the two South Divisional champions, at least that we're predicting, which one is uh, this one to me is fairly easy. I'm going to go with the Bucks as being the worst team. Uh, the Titans are currently, as you said, seven and seven. The Bucks are currently, as you said, six and eight. The difference for me is that the Titans have one game better and they've played a considerably tougher schedule. Now, both teams have played great opponents at different points in the season. The Titans have just had fewer of those like total should be softball games. So the bu- the Bucks have put up 247 points for to 288 points against. The Titans have put up 255 points for 
to 293 points against. So they're essentially dead even. It's just that the Titans have done it against those tougher teams more consistently. So I don't think either team deserves a playoff berth. I don't think either either team is particularly great. But I do think that the Titans are better strictly because of the opponents that they've played. Yeah, no, that's something that I definitely, I think you have to factor in here. So what I decided to do to answer this question is I went to, again, Football Outsiders, their DVOA metric. The Buccaneers are rated at 1.3%, while the Titans are minus 6.8. That, you know, suggests the Buccaneers are slightly a better team. But, of course, this is not the Tom and Tony show featuring the Zillow model, uh, featuring DVOA. This is Tom and Tony featuring the Zillow model. Zillow actually has the Buccaneers behind the Titans. So if they were to play on a neutral site, the Titans would be favored slightly by, I believe, the, the difference in the two ratings. The Titans are sitting at 1075, while the Bucs are sitting at 1063, is, is fairly minimal. But when you go and you look at Zillow's adjusted by strength of schedule stats, the Titans gap actually increases over them. The Titans would then be a 119 while the Buccaneers would be a 10-15. So a very dramatic difference when you look at the strength of schedule adjusted model. Yeah, I think that's really what puts the, the teams apart is that, it, oddly enough, the Bucks seem like they they can be that team. Every now and then we'll see um, throughout a game. It's like every, you know, That first half against the Bengals, they absolutely looked like they were that team. Yeah, absolutely. Every couple of games, they seem like they have, you know, maybe it's a drive or maybe it's a quarter or even a half sometimes where it's like, hey, this team actually may be getting into a rhythm, but then they immediately just seem like they lose it all. There's no consistency. The Titans are just kind of consistently mediocre. The Bucks show promise <laughs> of being that great team, but they just never go through on it anymore. You know, except for the 49ers game, that game, they showed nothing. There yeah, that game that was game. complete garbage. But other than that, they do it every now and then. Well, so at one point, looking at the ESPN win probability model, at one point the Buccaneers were given an 89.6% chance of winning. That was 17-0 margin. And then in the second half, the second half alone, I, this might have, I think all four were in, in the third quarter by itself, four Buccaneers turnovers. Yeah, there's just, like, it's been bad it seems like there's no there's no chemistry between any of the players it just seems like nobody can execute properly Tom Brady is constantly freaking out on all the refs and players and coaches it just seems like it's a bad situation they don't really seem like they want to win even they just can't put anything decent together for any sustainable amount of time yeah no after an early Joe Burrow interception in the on the first Bengals drive of the game the next four turnovers, Bucks interception, Bucks fumble, Bucks fumble, Bucks interception, with all with the first three happening inside of the Bucks thirty. That's just not that's that's how you lose games when you're up seventeen to zero. It's just having an absolute collapse. Yeah, and that seems to be that would be the scariest part if I were a member of kind of that Bucks management team, is that it's not like you can just look at, you know, one player or two players that have kind of been really holding the team down it's just been the team as a whole has just not done well this guy fumbles and then that guy fumbles there's no consistency in who's bad it's just everybody's bad yeah i mean and it's like you said with the titans like you know just pure mediocrity consistently mediocre that feels like the team that the team that wins the afc south is always consistently mediocre yeah they're just more consistently mediocre than the, than the team below them who happen to be you know, a little bit more inconsistently bad than the team above. That's just really how it goes. And I would rather have the problem of being consistently okay than inconsistently decent and then more consistently terrible. It's just the Bucks are in a terrible situation. The Titans are not that much better, but compared to the Bucks, I would take the Titans right now in a matchup between them. Yeah, I think a lot of people would. Now, my question for you, and this might be a bit of a trickier one, which team is going to end up with a better record? Or maybe this is easy. The team that's going to end up with a better record? That's a like, good if you question. Want to break, if you want to pull up your ESPN tabs and start going over schedules and stuff, you can. I will give you Zelo's take. And Zelo's take is that the Titans actually have a chance of winning 10 games. Ooh, okay. Which is a, a spicy take. It's 9.5 uh, on the average simulation for the Titans, whereas the Bucks, I believe, don't even crack 8.25 on the average simulation. So they'll win the division, but it will be an ugly division win. 
Yeah, well, and I guess now that I, I do have them pulled up, thanks for the time there, Tom. Now that I have both of the teams pulled up for the remaining three games, it's kind of more or less what we've been looking at for this entire season. The Titans' remaining schedule is they play the Texans. That's not hard. Then they play the Cowboys, and then they play the Jags. And normally, you know, it's, oh, it's the Jags. But they've actually kind of come into their own recently. So they I can lost to the Jags. Jags. The Titans lost to the Jags a few weeks ago. Yeah, and then they're going to play him again, and I think the Jags, if anything, have just kind of gotten better as the season progresses. So the Titans are going to play, you know, out of their three games, I honestly expect them to lose two. Then you flip over to the Bucks schedule, and they play the Cardinals. You know, you know that's okay. They're playing the Cardinals. Cardinals can be good. Then they play the Panthers. No offense, Tom. Garbage. Then they no, play the Fern. And, and, and terrible. So I just think that, you know, the Bucks' best remaining game is the Cardinals, who are just kind of like, you know, mediocre. Well, if the, the Cardinals Bucks... without Kyler, too. It's Colt McCoy Cardinals. Yeah, so, I mean, even worse. They really just – but this has kind of been their season. This is this is a good reflection of their seasons. There's a little, you know, microcosm of them is the Titans have played the harder teams, and they're still the better team. So I think the Bucks are going to end up having more wins just based off of the last couple teams that they're each going to play. But it's going to be close, and the Titans are still going to be the better team. It's conceivable that the Bucks went out. I still feel like the team that I have seen is going to fumble the bag. But if they did win out, they would be nine and eight. Whereas, yeah, I think the Titans actually can lose two games. I, if these two teams both won their division at eight and nine, it would not shock me. No, absolutely not. It's definitely plausible. Uh, if the Titans were to only win one out of their last three. I wouldn't really hold it against them that much as long as they stay consistently mediocre. It'd be kind of more expected. The Bucks can do anything. I don't even know. I'm just yeah, I'm no. still waiting for one of these weeks for them to drop 45 points in the defense to look fantastic randomly. I'm just waiting for it, and I still expect it for some reason, but I don't see that with the Titans. I think they're going to remain this kind of, you know, mediocre team. We're going to barely win. We're going to consistently score around 20 points. The Bucks are just going to be... They're either going to score seven or they're going to score 27. Either way, they're going to find a way to lose. Well, despite the fact that the Panthers actually beat the Buccaneers in a 21-3 game that made me question everything I knew about football, I do think that the 40 nothing game that feels inevitable is the Panthers when Brady's going to beat absolutely just whale on the Panthers. Unfortunately, uh, I do think that that may, be, uh, that may be the game that it happens if it happens. All right, so, I mean, we, we kind of talked about it with these two winning the division and just kind of forecasting ahead. Let's look at our respective playoff picture because I'm actually curious what they look like. Looking at the dock, they look fairly similar, similar, although you have a different team in first than I do. In first? Oh, uh, well, I'm looking at the Zelo one. Never mind. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, we both have the same ones. When I was looking at them, we both – we're, we're the exact same on the AFC. On that side of the ball, we are dead even. Uh, at the NFC, we have some flipped up stuff. But other than that... You can, see my, you can see my bias in the NFC. Yes, I definitely can. Um, I don't... To be totally honest with you, I don't know what I did uh, to flip the Niners and Minnesota in ours. But let's just go ahead and run through what we have. Well, looking, looking at that, I think you just had the 49ers win out and you had Minnesota drop a game that I don't think anybody else has them dropping. Yeah, looks like it. Well, 13. Yeah, so go, ahead, yeah. go ahead and present your AFC. We'll do this by conference. Do it by conference first. Okay, so in the AFC, Tom and I have the exact same results, but we can <laughs> go ahead and do at the seventh seed, I have Baltimore, sixth seed, Miami, fifth seed, Los Angeles, fourth seed, Jacksonville. That's a heck of a one I was not expecting at the beginning of the season. Third seed, Cincinnati. Second seed, Kansas City, and rounding out with the bye week, Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, I can't exactly say that I disagree with – oh, hold on. Okay, wait a second. This is funny. I realized going back and looking looking because I had – Zelo had the Bills in second. I was like, how the heck did that happen? I just made the correction, so they're actually in first. So we – all three of us agree on the AFC. So it looks it looks pretty simple. Wow, yeah. Okay, so all three of us have exactly the same. I don't think that's ever happened in the show's history that we've all unanimously agreed on that many things. Yeah, no, actual just like above board consensus. So what a concept. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Now let's run to the NFC. That's well, that's before, saucy. Before we run over there, 
are there any teams that you think should be in the AFC? Because the AFC, like, you know, respectfully, has just had some of the worst teams this season. Um, I guess let's see. That's that's kind of a tough one, just because when you're looking at the divisions, the way that it's all uh, kind of scheduled out, I think that there are some teams that should maybe make it. Like, I kind of thought every now and then that the Patriots were going to make it. And at the beginning of the season, it looked like the Jets might be that kind of a team. Um, we have the Browns, who I thought, you know, maybe kind of sort of if they caught a lucky whiff uh, with this Deshaun thing and were half decent before that. He just looked absolutely terrible. So I don't think they're going to be, you know, possible with that. But I think the only team that we don't have in it right now that I guess I would kind of like to see in it if they get really lucky is just the Patriots, which is weird to say. Um, usually I hate seeing the Patriots in the playoffs, but I do think that they've been such a scrappy team. If they can really win out and get a couple things to go right their way, they could definitely make it in. Yeah, I mean, I know 538 is giving them a 19% chance of making the playoffs, so it's not looking great, but there's a chance, I guess, right? It's possible. But with the you know, AFC, this- we're unanimous, and I think that we're unanimous because it's pretty cut and dry who's going to make it and who's not at this point. Yeah, the biggest question to me looking at, at what you rattled off is, is Jacksonville actually going to take the division? Because that would be a huge shock. If Doug Peterson gets the Jaguars to the playoffs in his first season, like kudos to him. He's really turned things around there. You know, it, it will likely come down to that week 18 game where Jacksonville hosts Tennessee. But that's the that's the most interesting one that if I had to pick one of these teams we've gotten wrong, it would be Jacksonville. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's uh that's going to be an interesting one to see. I think the reason that I kind of liked Jacksonville to potentially win out and pull that extra game up on the Titans is because if you just look at something, you know, I'm a big points for points against kind of guy. So Titans have scored 255 points for the Jags have scored 334 points for this season. Now, granted the Jags have allowed a lot more points, 328 to the Titans, 293. But I do think that that offense is really kind of finding itself and is, has the potential to score more. Yeah, no, when I went, cause I went to Jags at lions and I thought I was going to get an offensive just fireworks show. And I did just from the Lions, not at all from Jacksonville. But yeah, Jacksonville has the offense that I think can beat the Titans. You know, we, we talked about it in the offseason. Derrick Henry has not looked the same this season, not nearly the dynamic player. And I think now they're really, really missing A.J. Brown. So I think the those two weapons being gone or so differently altered has really just hurt the Titans' ability to score. Whereas, yeah, Jacksonville is coming into their own. Yeah, absolutely. On the AFC side, it's pretty – there's not a whole lot of leeway that you can really have with it. It's the NFC that's really kind of still up in the air in some aspects. Yeah, some aspects because I feel like we have the exact same four division champions, which feel which two out of three are, are locked – or two out of four are pretty locked up, if not three yeah, out of four. Definitely. All right, so I, I guess I can read off mine first. I have the Eagles and the Vikings, the 49ers, and Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay hosts Dallas. The Giants go on the road to play the 49ers. And then the Lions play Minnesota in a divisional matchup. Yeah, that would certainly be fun. I would love to see Detroit and Minnesota in that first round. Seventh seed, second seed. That would be awesome. Um, Going kind of through with mine, I actually had the Lions missing entirely. I had Seattle uh, squeaking in at that seventh seed. Uh, So number seven is going to be Seattle at San Francisco as my second seed. Uh, Then I have the Giants in the sixth seed at Minnesota, third seed, and then Dallas at Tampa Bay, kind of a rematch of that week one as the fifth and fourth seeds with Philadelphia getting the first seed and the bye. I'm curious what game you had to flip the 49ers. Like, do you have them losing to the Commanders? Um, Honestly, I don't. Let me pull it back up. And see if I can figure out which game I put on there. Yeah, highly, I highly recommend this if you guys haven't used it. ESPN's playoff machine is probably one of the most fun tools that's out there that lets you visualize and pick the playoffs based on every single game that's left in the season. I highly recommend that if you haven't used it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a ton of fun. You could definitely lose a lot of time without even thinking about it, just going through all of the different scenarios that are possible. All right. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I will inevitably spend way too much time trying to figure out how the Panthers could get in. If they, you know, if they can still mathematically get in, it's a struggle every year, but it is it is how I spend a lot of my fandom. 
Yeah, all right. So let's see. I have... Well, so you have three options. You have the Raiders. You have So you have the Commanders in Week 16, the Raiders in Week 17, and then Week 18, the Cardinals. Where do you have them losing? So, okay, well... Or wait. I actually have no. a question for you, Tom. Um, before we go through with this, I'm looking at yours and yours, it's saying that Minnesota is projected to go 13 and three. Did you not select one of the games for Minnesota? Evidently I did not. Is that going to flip San Fran? I don't know which one that would be that wasn't clicked. Um, no. So for me, I'm assuming I must've had them must have just not picked one of the games. I'm assuming that it was the week 18 that they win in. Um, Yeah. So you just, you had the Vikings losing a game. I did not, or the Zelo did not too. I put some, I put a little bit of, um, of weight into the Packers. I, uh, I think that Minnesota tends to uh, struggle in Lambeau. Now, if this were in um, Minneapolis, in this game, I do think that they would, I would pretty handily go with the Vikings, but something about that Lambeau experience when you're, you know, outdoors and it's going to be that week 17 matchup, it's going to be cold and snowy. I do think that the Packers have an advantage there. And while they are the worst team, I'm never mm-hmm. going to bet against Rogers. So I, I do think that I, I took the underdog there and I took the Packers in that one. That's why I had him sliding. No, that's fair. That's fair. I, I can understand that. I just don't know. Like, I feel like Justin Jefferson, the way he's been playing, can tap dance that atrocious Packers defense for about, you know, 200 yards and three touchdowns or something. Unfortunately, yeah, that is probably what's going to actually happen, but I'm still going to believe in my guys. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, to just quickly do Zelos, where I had the Lions finishing with the 60, uh, the 70 Zeal actually has them finishing with the 60 because the Giants end up losing an extra game in Zelo's projections. And then, yeah, it's it, after that, it's pretty much the exact thing. Yeah, absolutely. At this point in the season, there's not a whole lot of changing that we really seem to have. It's just kind of a difference of seeds. And um looks like I just have Seattle in there and you guys have Detroit. And honestly, I would like to see Detroit make it. I think Detroit making it would be an awesome story for Dan Campbell. We've both been huge mm-hmm. Dan fans ever since he went in so I would love to see him take this team into the playoffs even if they just go out in the first round or whatever against you know whatever team I don't even care what they do I just want to see him make it that would be really cool no half of the fun of going to the Lions game was seeing Dan Campbell and then when he threw the challenge flag and like the crowd just went crazy when he did that was awesome like that was a very fun experience seeing Dan Campbell in person no, absolutely. Yeah that's uh when how many weeks ago was that Tom I remember yeah you went to that game Three. I think it was three this Sunday. Three this Sunday. Okay, awesome. Yeah, Tom went to that one. And then um, for the Colts-Chargers game, Tom and I are actually both going to that one in Indianapolis. That'll be fun as well. So if we have any listeners in India that are going to that game, go ahead and come up and meet us. Yeah, if you if you want to take time out of your life to meet the two amateur people who make a <laughs> podcast in their closet, like I, I wonder <laughs> if you have better things you could be doing with your life. But sure, come say hi. Absolutely, but if you can do it, it'd be pretty cool. <laughs> we will sign the only off. Person, the only person who would want to see us in, in person, probably James. Probably, yeah, probably. But hey, James, if you're gonna be there, stop on by, bud. We'll sign some yeah. stuff for you. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a it's a game with playoff implications too. It is, and you know, like last year, you never really know what's gonna happen. It, this year, especially, kind of seems like. It's just been so random. Like, there's not really a whole lot of consistency in the picks. We have still been uh, doing the game picks every single week. That has not changed. And has this been the worst season statistically for everybody since we've started in terms of accuracy? Oh, I think it's giving last season a run for its money, but I still think last season is worse. Last season is worse. Well, we still got three weeks left to change that, and I honestly think that it might. This season has just been so weird, and... Um, I think, knock on wood. You're you're ahead. You're ahead. I have the three game lead right now, so we'll see if I screw that up in the last oh, three, three weeks. And... Not, it's not three. It's not three. Is it two? No, it's three. Never mind. Okay, it is three. All right, that's a comfortable lead, but I will still find a way to screw it up. Don't worry. Well, so I'm looking at our our expert pick accuracy, and the lead picker is sixty four point seven percent, which is pretty par from last season. But if you look at the percentages on average, it was 60%. I think that's still slightly better than last season. 
Okay. Well, let's see if there's. It seems to be that there's random weeks where everybody oh, not, will, it's, will it's miss or everybody will hit. It's not random, Tony. How is it not random? Well, I'm looking at the chart I have right now, and every time there's a really, really good week, there's a harsh regression to the mean. Interesting. Well, it seems like so there's a lot for, for, of regression. For example, week, week two, it was uh, 56%, and then week three, 49%. Week five, 65%. Week six, 45%. Week nine, 71%. Week 10, 40.8%. So, and then to follow it up, week 13, 78%, week 14, 53%. So if we, if, if there's ever like a week where everything goes according to plan, that's when you know a bad week is coming and just start taking dogs. <laughs> yeah, that's actually not a bad betting tip. We should do that. Yeah, I mean, you can do that. I'm broke. I do not have the money to gamble. Well, hey, if you gamble what you have on a regressive week and you bet the underdogs, maybe you'll have <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> or I get evicted. <laughs> One of the two. That as well. You never know. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So let's go to the MVP award, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, the superlatives. Let's head over to the superlatives. My brain took a second. I've been, I've been out of school for four days, and my brain was like, oh, what's the word you're looking for? <laughs> you used it all in finals week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, we survived finals week. We did not thrive. We survived. <laughs> That's how you got to do it. All right. So let's. So I see you have in all of your notes deserved, except for the MVP. Who is your MVP, and why is it an undeserved MVP? So this season's been weird. My MVP is Patrick Mahomes, and I don't think it's deserved because of the real MVP has been Jalen Hurts. He's just not going to win it because he got hurt. He's going to lose out on a couple yeah. games here. It, it's 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 unfortunate to see because I do think that he has earned well, it. Are you, are you telling me Jalen Hurts is hurt? Yes, he that's exactly. Hurt. Um, and I'm not going to give you credit for that joke. <laughs> well, I got my brother looking at me, and he has a very disappointed look on his face <laughs> right now, so I don't think anyone's giving me credit for that. If I lose one of the listeners in the audience, I apologize. Yeah, I'm... Um, I think Jalen Hurts has done plenty to win the MVP. He's one of those guys that I actually recall making uh, a quote-unquote crazy hot take on this very show last season when I said Jalen Hurts is better than Lamar Jackson, and I would just like to have my credit for uh, saying that. I think he should have won it. If if he didn't get hurt, I think he would have. Patrick Mahomes is the only other guy that can really you know, win it at this point. Josh Allen's been, you know, great or whatever. But the reason that I say undeserved beyond that is this has quite frankly been a terrible year just for individual players. It seems like there's no like crazy runaway seasons anymore. Patrick Mahomes, 35 touchdowns. That's great. 11 interceptions in today's day and age. That's a lot. We're just kind of seeing, you know, fewer touchdowns than we normally do more interceptions lower completion percentages than normally like it just hasn't been quite as impressive this season across the board there's usually four or five guys that are still kind of in it going into these last weeks and it seems like at this point it was Jalen Hurts or Patrick Mahomes and now that Jalen Hurts is hurt it's only Patrick Mahomes so that's why I kind of say it's undeserved he doesn't really have a lot of he doesn't really have anybody fighting with him for it yeah I mean if you look at the odds tracker it was it was Jalen Hurts and Mahomes dueling back and forth with Mahomes in the lead for a bit, but Jalen Hurts retook it last week. And now that, yeah, like you said, the injuries here, that's pretty much all she wrote, I think. Like that feels that feels pretty final. Mahomes is now a minus 350 favorite. And the next closest is Hurts at uh, plus 525. And James, we'll get to you at your call in a bit when we finish off the segment. But I – this one's wrapped. I'm not going to say it's undeserved because Mahomes has played fantastic this year. We had a lot of questions about his ability to keep his MVP, or, you know, MVP-ish caliber play without Tyreek Hill. He's he's answered the bell. So I'm not going to say undeserved. I'm, this is how I felt about last year's Aaron Rodgers. Well, he's good enough, so like you know, we can give it to him. But I don't think he's lighting up the league by any means. Yeah, that's fair. All right, I, I'm going to move to Offensive Player of the Year. I have Justin Jefferson. I don't think it takes – like, I feel like I don't need to explain why. Justin Jefferson here as well, and it is deserved. I was confused because you put uh, Jay Jettis. I was very, very concerned. I was like, who is this? Why don't I know who this is? <laughs> um, 
Absolutely. So, Justin Jefferson. Uh, and then Defensive Player of the Year, I'm going to give it to Michael Parsons because I just I think he probably should have won it last year, and he's played at the same level, if not better. He When he plays games and you are watching, like, you can see his impact on the field. Yeah, I this one is kind of tough for me because I do really like Micah Parsons. I definitely think that he should have won it last year as well. I really like Nick Bosa, though. I think that he's edged it out. He has been such a phenomenal player. But, I mean, you can't be mad if either of these guys win. What's the difference for you? The difference for me, let me pull up. There was That's what I'm doing right now. I'm going to the player uh, compare on pro football reference because I think he he was definitely in there. I'm it's hard. It's really it is really tricky. Yeah, absolutely. Let me pull up Micah Parsons and I can throw Oh Roy goes to Purdy. Uh Tony, you've been obnoxious with that take. I'm assuming you're there for that. Oh, absolutely, James. I'm right there for it. I love me some Brock Purdy. Tom that hates is the most him. most obnoxious take of all time. Tom's just a hater because he liked Lance and Lance is garbage. Lance is not garbage, Lance is injured. Lance There's a very garbage. key difference. No, he's just terrible. You know so what? I'm, You're garbage. How about true. that? I'm not going to deny that. <laughs> you got me there. I'm not going to deny I, that. I did, yeah, just the three-year-old taunt of no you. <laughs> All right, so let's see. Um, you have your numbers? I do have my numbers. I really like Bosa. Ah, uh, yeah, here it is. It's pretty there much. It's pretty much just the sacks for me. I just think that he has been... It's not a huge difference, but that extra two and a half sacks in a defense that 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 has that many guys that are going to rush, the fact that he still is surrounded by that many elite players and can still make that kind of impact when I think he's I'm not sure if he has the highest double rate team in the league, um, but he's he's up there. So is Michael Parsons, obviously, but they both are able to just really kill the field so much on their side. They're really fantastic in everything that they do. And I think that also another difference maker that I had that's uh, a little more kind of like doesn't really matter so much, but quarterback hits, uh, Micah Parsons has 24, Nick Bosa has 38. Uh, So I just think the disparity there, like Nick Bosa is getting there more often. And sure, maybe he's not getting the sack uh, as many times as he should just because she's surrounded by so many other great guys. But I think that that quarterback hits, eventually, if you keep doing that, the sacks are going to come no matter what. And mm-hmm. he's, he's such a game wrecker. Yeah, no, I'd be perf- perfectly happy with either. For me, with, with Parsons, I think it's just it just comes down to a preference thing. The fact that he has played 14 games to Bosa's 13 gives him a game's edge because Bosa did at least miss the one game. And that is a slight difference maker for me. I, I could definitely be happy with either pick. I just think, like I said, my pre- preference is Parsons. Zelo does have it as Bosa, though, between the two players slightly. Yeah, I can see they're both good in different things. So, like, um, Nick Bosa, he kind he has more combined sacks, more solo, or more combined tackles, more solo tackles, more tackles for loss, more quarterback hits, and more sacks. But then you look at Micah Parsons, and he has – uh, more passes defended, more forced fumbles, um, and then he has obviously that touchdown this year as well, and he's mm-hmm. not far behind in any other uh, category. So I, I think I think for Parsons, it's honestly that he's doing about the same with less around him, whereas Bosa is doing a little bit more with more around him. True, and I definitely do think that that's fair. I can't be mad about either of these guys winning it. Yeah. All right, let's move to the rookies. How about offensive rookie of the year? Offensive Rookie of the Year, I have Garrett Wilson, and I'm saying undeserved just because, once again, there's not really a whole lot of guys that have really come out and done anything crazy. Garrett Wilson is just under 1,000 yards, and yeah, sure, that's impressive for a rookie, but 1,000 yards for a receiver isn't anything particular, particularly special anymore. I, I'm going to say, I, I agree for one, I am going to say it's deserved. I think he's had a phenomenal year without the best quarterback throwing to him. He's become a, a staple of that Saints offense. I'm just going to I'm gonna say it's deserved. It's deserved because he doesn't really have a lot of competition. I think if this were a lot of other years, he wouldn't have won it. He's done well as a, for like a rookie. That's great. But there's just not a whole lot of other rookies that have done anything particularly phenomenal thus far. Who would you give it to if you could? If you could? 
Like if you could give it to somebody else besides Wilson. Honestly, I wouldn't. I I, I genuinely think Garrett but Wilson it's deserved. It's but it's not deserved because there's not really a whole lot of competition with it. There's not really anybody else that's made him really fight for it. It's kind of been Garrett Wilson can just get away with being good when in other years you had to be great. I just don't think he wins it most other years. He just kind of got lucky with this class. I do love the James take of Brock Purdy because he's now plus 1,000. If he continues to play really well, I think he could actually steal it. Well, that's the thing is like if Brock Purdy had come in, even if he had only been starting for this team from like weeks like five or six, even if he had missed like four games and he didn't play those and he just was week five or six and he'd continued to kind of play – about where he's at now, like, yeah, he would easily win it just because there's not really anybody else doing anything. He would be kind of the crazy guy that stands out. Garrett Wilson winning, it's like, you know, he deserves it for this year, but for any other year, he wouldn't get it. Yeah, well, you'll have to you'll have to forgive me in the audience. I did say Garrett Wilson as he was important for the Saints. He's obviously on the Jets. I was looking at the odds to give Tony his, uh, a fun fact. Uh, I misread the and misread the team that he was on. Do you know what you could have bought a Brock Purdy MVP, uh, offensive rookie contender bid for the odds when he entered in that game for the 49ers? Oh, that must have been astronomical. Yeah. Plus, <laughs> plus like, I don't know, 20,000? You are on the money, yeah. I, it makes me think you're looking at it online. Uh, but it's uh, plus 20,000. It's since come down to just plus 1,000. Okay. I mean, that just kind of goes to my point, though, is Brock Purdy's only played, what, three and a half games? And he's already, like, he's got to be in the top, like, I don't know, at least five for that, for the uh, odds. Yeah, he is top five. Exactly. Like, that's there's just not a lot of other guys that have done crazy things. And if he can be in there, sure, he's played great, but he's only played, like, three and a half games. So, I mean, it just doesn't really, there's not really been a whole lot of competition for him, I guess. It's a long shot, but I do I do get what you're saying. Personally, I would give it to Ken Walker. I think he's been outstanding on the Seahawks, but I think you know Garrett Wilson has just been that great. No, yeah, he he does he does deserve it in that aspect. All right, uh, defensive rookie of the year. Defensive rookie of the year. I am going to go with Aiden Hutchinson, and I'm going to say that it is deserved. Well, why? <laughs> well. <laughs> I think that Aiden Hutchinson has made a huge impact on that team. He's been a guy that they can kind of go to and has been fairly consistent. He has seven sacks. That's great. Seven tackles for loss. Awesome. 13 quarterback hits. He has the fumble recovery, which honestly, in my opinion, I don't really care about fumble recoveries. That's more luck than anything else. Two passes defensed, and he has two interceptions. That's kind of what really sets him apart for me is I'm really impressed that as a defensive end, he has two picks along with the rest of it. Yeah, no, he's been pretty good. I think he's come a bit into his own more in the back half of the season. He was not as statistically impressive earlier on. He was, you know, still impacting the game, but is not was not getting the numbers that you wanted to see him get. I'm giving it to Tariq Woolen of the uh, the Seahawks. He has six interceptions. One of them went back for a pick six. He has just uh, one fu- one fumble, two fumbles recovered. And he does not have a sack, but has a combined 51 tackles. I think that that's just outstanding play from a secondary rookie. Yeah, no, I do think that, you know, six interceptions tied for the lead league. That's awesome. Um, He was the only other one that I was kind of considering in this defensive rookie of the year thing. The, The only thing that really put it apart for me is just that Aiden Hutchison as a D end has two interceptions. That's just incredibly impressive to me. No, that, that's fair. And I know that the current on-odds favorite is Ahmed Gardner of the New York Jets. You know, can't fault him. Had a great season, too. I just know that I have found in watching Woolen to be very impressive in a lot of plays. And, of course, the six interceptions is just a huge beat. Absolutely, yeah. That's why That's why no matter who wins it, I would say deserved. Because there's two guys, at least, that are definitely vying for it and have been impressive. What a great defensive rookie class. Honestly, just yeah. Genuinely, I- what a great class. It is, truly. Tom, you there? We lose you? Seems like we're having some difficulties with Tom. Where are you at, bud? 
Oh no. I'm hearing a lot of static. Tom, you there? I'm sorry, you, you cut out for a second, Tony. What? Oh, okay, we got you back. There you are. Yeah, I said it was just a great, great defensive class. And not quite like the offensive. I was hoping for more out of the offensive rookie class, but the defensive class has been fantastic. Oh, yeah. Did you uh, – sorry, we, I must have cut out then. How about the comeback player of the year? Comeback player of the year. This is one that really surprised me when I was looking at who you had. I'm going to go with Christian McCaffrey, and I think it is deserved. I don't disagree. I feel like in part, yes, he's coming back from injury, of course, but I do have the tongue-in-cheek thing if he's coming back from playing on the Panthers more than anything else. I, I, I don't know. Kind of going into this year wasn't the big thing with him is like, yeah, he's healthy, but he's going to be hurt within three weeks, and he's kind of made it through the whole season and been phenomenal since he went to the Niners. Yeah, no, he, he's been great, but that's, that's the joke, though, is as soon as he got to the 49ers, he was great. Like he was, yeah, but he's thirst. He still came back from like three years of consecutive injury. No, I know. I, I just think that in in my, my pick was Saquon Barkley. He's looked phenomenal after an injury that I did not think he was going to look the same from, and he stayed on the same team. That's the edge. I mean, I don't know if I would say that he has looked phenomenal. He, he statistically carried the Giants. I okay. He looked really, 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 really good in the first, like, four or five weeks. And since then, he hasn't been bad. He's been fine, of course. He's been doing, you know, some pretty awesome things. But I just don't think I see him as quite the player that I think CMC is. Like, if I could pick one of these guys after this year, like, sure, Saquon Barkley has been awesome. He's been great for the for the Giants, and he's definitely the most valuable player on the Giants, more valuable than... CMC is to the Niners for sure, but I think that CMC really puts himself apart in how well he can, you know, take the receptions out of the backfield and make stuff happen with it. Um, beyond that, whereas Saquon Barkley can kind of do that, sure, but he just doesn't do it as much. He's just way more of a rushing back, whereas CMC is kind of more two-headed. I don't disagree. I just think that the fact that, like I said, the fact that he didn't change teams is big for me, and the fact that just quite honestly, I don't like what else do the Giants have that you're really scared of offensively? Pretty much nothing, honestly. So that is true. That's a good point for him. Like that's that's like if if the stats are close enough between the two that it's a wash, which Zelo has CMC ahead by about ten points, which is not a wash, but he's also played fewer games for the 49ers. If you took into account his Panthers stats, then it would kind of be a much it would be a Saquon lead for sure. My point is I guess that Saquon's doing less or doing doing about the same with a lot less and the Giants are relevant offensively because of Saquon yeah I guess you could say that but I think you could also say that CMC has kind of been um he hasn't been the only guy obviously like Saquon is on the Giants but like when 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 CMC came over to the Niners, he played with Jimmy G for a little bit. Now he's playing with Brock Purdy. They had, um, why am I blanking on his name? Who got hurt? Debo. Debo got hurt. Like He's not doing it with the normal cast around him that you would expect from um, the Niners, although at this point with how often they're hurt, you do kind of expect it. But it's he's not the only guy there, but for him to be able to walk into that system and be able to do what he's done so well with a couple different guys and pieces around dropping out that they didn't expect. And everybody's kind of been able to pick up the slack and he's kept up with that. It's, I think it's more impressive to me that he learned that, that whole kind of system. I I do think that that is an admirable thing, admirable thing to notice. And this is before we continue to kind of repeat ourselves into oblivion. This is the last thing that I'll note. The 49ers have a, are ranked 21st in their team run block win rate, whereas the New York Giants are ranked 26th. Okay. But like food, food for thought, it is easier, uh, slightly easier for Saquon, or excuse me, for Christian McCaffrey to run the ball based off of those run stop and uh, excuse me, the pass block win rate stat. But it's, it's also a very minor difference. So I'm willing to say, you know, Either or. I just think Saquon has had the more impressive season because of how much he's carried that load. 
Yeah, either way, whoever goes to deserved. I didn't throw that in there. Currently, the odds-on favorite is Gino, and I don't know what he's coming back from, but he has had a good season. Yeah, that's interesting. If he wins it, I will be not quite as happy as if Saquon or CMC won it. That would be a little weird, but whatever. Yeah, great great season out of him. He's definitely has cooled off, so it was a better start to the season, but I don't I again, I don't know what he's coming back from. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh let's go to the coach of the year and then take audience and listener questions. Uh, coach of the year, we we disagree, but I think again as as we have been with many of these, we are okay with the winner either way. Yeah, uh I have no problem with my guy obviously. I threw in Dan Campbell. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and for for me, I think the case for Dan Campbell is contingent on are they relevant in Week 18? Yeah, that is definitely something that I'm kind of banking on. If they make the postseason, then I think Dan Campbell is it has to be kind of the odds-on favorite to win, just because that's such an unlikely thing to have happen. But Tom, I like your guy as well. Go ahead and throw him out there. I was just say just the the very easy Nick Sirianni, the very yeah. lazy take. <laughs> you gotta you gotta throw Nick Sirianni in here with how good the Eagles have been, um, and how well they've been coached. Honestly, Nick Sirianni was kind of a guy uh, that came in and everybody was a little skeptical of him, wasn't really sure what he was gonna do, but he's honestly proved himself in my opinion. So I would be happy with either of these guys going forward, especially if uh, you know the Lions don't actually make the playoffs. Then yeah, Nick Sirianni is my guy. Yeah, currently, as far as Vegas is concerned, Nick Sirianni is a minus 225, whereas Dan Campbell is plus 250. So we did at least pick the two hot, uh, the two most likely candidates. So, like, one of us should be right. Oh, okay, cool. Well, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I, what will be interesting, I think, is if the Eagles fall apart without Jalen Hurts. That will be interesting for sure. Like from, and be- both, both in, in Coach of the Year and MVP. Yeah, I am curious to see kind of how how that team is able to to go with with the different quarterback at the helm. Well, I think so for MVP, if the Eagles just look awful without Jalen Hurts, I think it hurts Sirianni's coach of the coach of the year award chances and maybe just gives Hurts the MVP push. Honestly, yeah, it might. That would be that would certainly be something interesting to look out for. Yeah, it is also, you know, depending on Mahomes to maybe have a, a rougher game here or there. Definitely. All right, so I guess with, with the awards done, we'll take our caller. James, you are on the line. Okay. So, I think Nick Chubb should win Offensive Player of the Year. Really? Yeah. And why is that? Because he's, he's, he's the best. <laughs> He's the best what? Best running best back? offensive player. Well, I mean, I would have to firmly disagree with that. If he was the best offensive player, the Browns wouldn't be awful. Listen, they're only awful because he's he's on six yards of carry, and Kevin Stefanski gives him the ball ten times a game. And then on fourth and one, he's throwing the ball with Jacoby Brissett. Well, here's what I'll say for that. going Just looking at his stats throughout this season – He's averaging five yards per carry, which is, you know, above average, well above average, very good. But if you look at his last couple games, honestly, if you look at his last, like, 10 games, 22 carries, 17, 23, 19, 17, 12 against the Patriots, but that's the Patriots, 16, 23 again. So he is getting a lot of carries. He's got 252 attempts on the season, and he's got, you know, 1,252 yards, which is great. But that's not nearly what I would qualify as better than Justin Jefferson has been this year. I mean, yeah, I, I can I see that, I guess. I'll give you credit where credit is due, James. He's a strong pick if the Browns weren't 6-8. and eight. True. If I think if he's, if he, if, you know, we do tend to give teams who have winning records these awards, I would say, like, if the Browns were 7-7, seven and seven, like, if they don't lose that Jets game, I'm honestly kind of half-tempted to say he's in the conversation. I still think Jefferson is having such a, a phenomenal season that I don't think it's enough to overcome Jefferson, especially because the Vikings are, they're what, they're three losses now, 11-3. and three. Yeah, But I, I like I like it as a, as a bit of, like, a, you know, it's a guy who is probably going to get snubbed because of the poor performance. I think it's a good pick. If they are, if they have a better record, and maybe are in the playoff mix. 
I feel like they could still make the playoffs. Do you guys think they can still make the playoffs? Statistically speaking, like from a probability perspective, no. I think it's possible, but yeah, probability wise, it's they're just one of those. I mean, they're like the they're like the Packers at this point. Honestly, it's like yeah, they could make it, but are they going to? No. So if you go to if you go to five thirty eight, just because it's my favorite thing, the Browns have a one percent chance of making the playoffs. They could do it. If they win against the Saints, it's two percent, and if they win against the Washington, it's three, and if they beat Pitts, Pittsburgh, it's five. So those are three big assumptions, and they just get to three percent. Well, I'm going to the Saints game, so that'll be yeah. fun. I hope for your sake that they win, because if they lose, they're eliminated. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that would do it. Like being six and nine would eliminate you from the playoffs normally. Unless you're in the NFC East. Yeah, or the or any of the Southern divisions. In which case, <laughs> in which case, if you're Jacksonville, you got a chance. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks for calling in, James. We're gonna take another call from Evan. Brock Purdy, fall offensive rookie. The- <laughs> Goodbye. You're not coming back. <laughs> Hello, Evan. Welcome to the show. So for uh, number one pick of the year, we all know it's probably going to be the Texans. But I want to know, who do you think is going to be the number two pick of the year for the draft? My bad. Um, that's actually a really good question. And with the, with, with the parity in, in how the league is going and how kind of frantic everything has been, I think it could be a couple different teams. Oddly enough, you know, I was super low on the Broncos coming into the season. I wasn't this low on them. I think that they might actually be better without Russ. So if they can keep Russ out and actually kind of keep ripening, I think they actually win a couple games, which means that the Colts might be in it for that number two pick. And along with them, I think the Bears and Rams have a, have the best chance. If I had to pick from those teams, I'm going to go with the Rams just because Justin Fields rushing has been phenomenal, and I think eventually it's going to translate to a couple of wins. Okay, yeah. One second. I was gonna say if you look if if you look at the playoff chart that I made or the the picks that I made for the playoff, it's the Bears. I have them finishing at three and fourteen, so they would be pretty close to just the worst team in the NFL. Like that, honestly, like the Texans kind of might might be. Evil, even to them. Um, I, I would definitely say it's looking at Tankathon. It's Houston, Chicago, Denver, which goes to Seattle, the Rams, which goes to Detroit, and then Arizona. So I think it's the Bears, and then maybe that Denver pick. All right. So I have one more little question, and I, this might this is probably easy for you, but who do you think is gonna be the number one pick in the draft? Not like team wise, but like player from come from college. <laughs> All right. Well. Um... That's what I'm going to direct you to Tom for. Tom's a big college football guy. I actually don't watch any college football at all. I'm 100% NFL, so I couldn't even name a college football player for you at the moment at all. So, Tom, what do you think? I think it depends on who's picking first, but if we go with the feels-like-slam-dunk option of the Texans, it's got to be Bryce Young. I know that they have Davis Mills, and I know Tony likes that guy as a quarterback, but it's got to be Bryce Young. That is a talented player who, quite frankly – was wasted at Alabama this year. And if it's not Bryce Young, the Panthers better trade up and get Bryce Young. All right, that's all I Yeah, and to, to James's question about C.J. Stroud, take Bryce Young. I think C.J. Stroud is great. Take Bryce Young. That is my number one answer. Well, as somebody who doesn't watch any college football at all, my two cents in it is that I don't think the Texans should take a quarterback. I don't think they Davis- I don't think Mills is your quarterback of the future, but I think there's a lot of other spots you need to work on first. I don't think you're wrong, but if you get a player that's supposed to be as transcendent as Bryce Young has the potential to be, you can't you can't miss him. You can't take an edge player, even if there are some good edge players. Yeah, but isn't like 90% of quote-unquote transcendent quarterbacks busts? They are, but watching Bryce Young play this year, I think... He gives you some question marks, but I think you got. I still think you got to take him. Like if you like, if you look at the the quarterbacks that are projected to go in the top ten, so you've got Bryce Young, Will Levis, and C.J. Stroud. Of those three guys, one of those guys is going to hit. I'm willing to tell you right now, it's not Will Levis. 
Yeah, but nobody knows. Like, that's why I just hate taking quarterbacks first every single year is because most of the time it's not actually what the team needs. And also, the guy is more often than not a bust. Nope, nobody knows, but if you have a chance to take a quarterback because you're at number one, just take the QB. I mean, look at, look as you're, much as you're going to hate this example, look at what Trevor Lawrence has done for the Jags. It took him two years, but the Jags went from being back-to-back number one overall picks to suddenly – Oh, we're take we're we we're looking at the playoffs because we can compete with the Titans and we have an offense that's now overwhelming at times. Yeah, but they've had a lot of changes other than just Trevor Lawrence. There's a lot of new guys that have come in. There's a lot of coaches that have come in. There are, but I also think the Texans can do this a similar process. They pick again at twelve. Like if you're going to pick again at twelve, t- that's where you fill that second need. Yeah, well, I'm sure they'll go with some quarterback, and I'm sure this quarterback will more than likely be some random bust that we'd never hear the name of again for the next 20 years, but we'll see. Except, you know, if it's Bryce Young and he hits. <laughs> we'll see, Tom. Are you, yeah, to- I mean, you know what? This is, this, we'll have to do, we'll have to do Tom's draft board at some point because I'm now the, the quote unquote big college guy. You definitely are. You at one point you were more of a college guy than the NFL guy this year. <laughs> I, I still am actually, I really, I really am. I just the the only difference is I don't do a show for college. This is true. What you should do, I would I would listen to that. Yeah, we'll we'll try. It's on it, that's on Campbell, friend of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks for listening, guys. We just crossed the hour mark. We appreciate all of you coming in, James, Evan. We love callers. We always want to hear from the callers. Thank you much. Have a good one, guys.